All right. We good? We good? We good? All right, let's do it. Good. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to another episode, special episode that we're doing today. Episode 55, I believe, of the Danso Pitch Podcast. I am your host, Charles Danso. Welcome back, Mr. Daniel. It's, uh, you missed us last week, but uh, I hope that you were able to listen and enjoy what we kind of had to detail to you and the rest of the audience. Oh, yeah, man. That Metaverse episode was awesome, man. I wish I was in it, you know, but I'm hoping that the audience really captivated that, you know, information and just like, you know, really took note of, you know, what Charles and the guest speaker that we had on, you know, really talked about. But this episode, though, whoo, man, special yeah. episode coming up. Charles, tell them what we're talking about. Man, this is a really great episode, episode that we kind of wanted to switch it up for you guys. Our, our regular listeners usually hear us talk about business acumen, which we're still going to stay on, but we're going to be discussing probably a name that gets thrown around, but people may not necessarily know who he is, but... If you are anybody that's of African descent, anybody that's ever been to Africa, anybody that has an understanding how uh, black wealth is created, this is the guy. This is this is our Jordan, so to speak. I know Jay-Z likes to throw the word around, but this is our real Jordan. If Jay-Z's Jordan, then I guess this guy's Dr. J. But without further ado, <laughs> we're going to we're going to say Mansa Musa. Mansa Musa is a name that you usually hear. If you've ever heard any type of rap lyrics, I'll give an example. All these niggas claiming Keen, but I'm still that. Keen Hova, Mansa Musa. This is off of Rick Ross featuring Jay-Z, Devil is a Lie. Jay-Z isn't the first person to use that name. Others have. Obviously, a genius like Jay-Z, he's going to use the wordplay to kind of describe how his wealth equates to an individual like this. But this guy, Mansa Musa, this was originally a king of Africa. He is from what is now um, obviously West Africa, but he pretty much was the king around that area. He was the individual that a lot of people, historians say that his wealth is pretty much 10 times Jeff Bezos' wealth right now. And if anybody that knows Jeff Bezos' wealth, Crazy. This, is, this guy can die 10 times over and still have money to utilize. So imagine having that kind of wealth in the 1300s, that's insane. Adjusted with inflation, this guy was ridiculously wealthy. Pretty much came into power a little bit with, with a little bit of luck, but he was able to build the western part of Africa as we kind of know it today. But at the same time, was able to actually build the Muslim faith as a result. Also, I'm going to get into that a little bit. Let's give a little bit of history, Daniel, to the audience about Mansa Musa. So Mansa Musa, a lot of people don't realize Musa actually means, or Mansa, I should say, excuse me, means sultan or emperor. So Mansa isn't actually the man's name. Musa is the individual's actual name. But back in the days when they used the term Mansa, that actually meant sultan or emperor. A lot of people don't really realize that. So again, he's pretty much emperor Musa, so to speak. This was a name that was commonly used to describe kings and queens, or kings, so to speak, I should say, back in Africa many centuries ago. He actually uh, was, became ruler of the Mali Empire back in 1312, taking the throne after his predecessor, Abu Bakr II, who, for whom he served as deputy to this individual, went missing when he did a voyage to find the edge of the Atlantic Ocean. So basically, he was just a deputy. Mansa Musa 
to his actual king, which was Abu Bakr II. And this guy just woke up one day. He was like, hey, I want to go explore the world. So I'm going to just go. But eventually with him exploring, he actually got lost at sea. And the fact that he was never found again, the fact that Mansa Musa was the next in line, he was pretty much the guy that was closest to this individual. He ended up taking over after this man lost at sea. Some historians say uh, Abu Bakr actually, um, he ended up finding South America, but that's debatable. Some people say that he just got lost at sea. Some people say he just founded another continent and was like, all right, I'm not coming back. So <laughs> how you want to take it? Any truth to it. <laughs> exactly. So how, wh whatever the truth is, what it's not, point is that Mansa Musa took over after this individual had got lost at sea. Now, Musa's rule came at a time when European nations were struggling due to raging civil wars and lack of resources. Now, what were the primary resources that Mansa Musa came into control to obtain? The two main sources at that time were gold and salt. salt. Salt, the reason being, and I'm going to let Daniel speak a little bit on that, the reason being of salt, because that was what it was used for preserving food, making food flavorful. Salt is still used today to make food flavorful. So that's a very important. And gold, gold was a massive supply back in Africa at that time period. It was something that was pretty much used for a lot of people to even use it just for decoration in terms of actually using it for jewelry. Maybe it, that's a lost thing that got translated through the generations with us rocking uh, gold, uh, gold watches, gold chains. But back in the days, a lot of individuals used to rock gold as well. You go back to the Egyptian times, obviously further back with this individual, Mansa Musa, during his time period, gold was a massive supply back in Africa. Now, I want Daniel uh, just to kind of give the audience a little bit of a follow-up to what I'm saying. What do you believe that the resources, how that's translated throughout the generations? If you go... Now, uh, one of the richest individuals in Africa is a Nigerian man, and he actually deals with our, our agriculture. He actually has salt, flour, cement, uh, and he is an individual that kind of, I guess, followed the Mansa Musa path. But do you feel like um, having those resources is something that could be still translated in today's world? Absolutely, because I think especially in those times and it's also really relevant today just not as transparent is that when you control uh, a natural resource when you have kind of the the ownership on a need-based uh, commodity like oil or or uh, or wheat gold like these are the things that when you look at the businesses that are, are that are everywhere today, they come from that one major supplier, right? Like all of the gas companies that exist today come from that source of oil, right? Agriculture, all of the food that we eat, um, wheat is involved in some of those things. So these are kind of the the, the elements that when you control it, you virtually become a, a titan of industry in your own respects and. What in Mansa's case during that time, especially in Africa, when gold was really the one thing, you know, on top of the other natural resources that were available, gold was around the world not as abundant as it was in Africa. Africa had a large supply of gold, and Mansa was pretty much the titan of that commodity within the time frame. So 
you look at that in today, you know, those that have the, the access to those rare resources that can't be, you know, it's not like you can copy, you can't copy it, you know, like it's, it's something that's naturally made and it's something that has its own place in the world because it's so rare. And then you're able to use that to produce energy or use that to create and stimulate an economy, you know, and we'll get into that with what Mansa Musa did. But these are the things that if you own it, if you own these commodities, if you own the, the if you have the ability to multiply the resource because it's, you know, you, you have inventory of it's yours, then you're pretty much at the, at the top of everything else businesses, CEOs, like you just think about it, there's always someone that someone has to answer to. And that person is a person who owns the actual, you know, resource that's being used for production. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and and as Daniel's kind of just touching upon, as I also mentioned earlier, if you look at a lot of the wealthiest individuals, I'm not talking about like the Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk. Yes, they're wealthy, but those are the names that we mentioned that in an earlier podcast. These are the names that they just have detailed on paper, but there are wealthier people or people just as wealthy as Jeff Bezos that you may not necessarily know their names or may, they may not be in the limelight or publicized as heavily as these type of titans, such as Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, et cetera, et cetera. You have African leaders, African leaders, if you look at especially Niger- Nigerian uh, leaders or uh, individuals that are CEOs in their own right, they most of them that are the wealthiest, so to speak, they have a Forbes Africa, just like they have a U.S. Forbes, they have a Forbes Africa. Now you look at the wealthiest people in Africa, they other deal with oil, gold in that in some retrospect, or agriculture now that's food preservatives or like we mentioned cement salt etc 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 that didn't get diluted throughout the generations because as daniel mentioned this is something that is essential we need salt we need oil you you use oil for various things outside of just gas you you, (laughs) there's different there's different formats there's other oils too for cooking that's another thing people forget that's part of the agriculture aspect that you need so these are all things that Mansa Musa came into power utilizing and, and using that to his benefit, as well as his, the individuals that served under him. So kind of just going back to Mansa Musa, one thing that he was very involved in was his faith. He was a Muslim. He, he followed the Muslim faith. He actually uh, did a pilgrimage to Mecca. Um, the reason why he wanted to do that was because of, uh, it's, I think it's, I, and excuse me, if any anybody of the Muslim faith is listening now, I did try to do as much research. I do know some Muslim folks. I think it's called hajjaj. If I'm pronouncing it wrong, I apologize. But you should understand what I'm basically saying, which is one of the things of the pilgrimage that you have to do to Mecca, so which is the Holy Land, as you know. So in him doing that, he brought thousands of slaves. He brought soldiers. He brought food that could last. He brought animals that he can eat, he and and his service could eat from. And what is the one thing that he bought that was so large in proportion was gold. Now, gold maybe seemed like it's a devalued format because now we deal with paper currency and now we've transitioned to even Bitcoin or cryptocurrency for those that may be listening. Now, 
back in those times, gold was the way to kind of go about in terms of payment. People idolized gold. People loved gold. The reason why is because at first it was shiny. It was something that was new. It was something that looked extravagant. You could utilize as jewelry. You can utilize and as a form of a gift, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, while Mansa Musa and his followers were going about traveling to the Holy Land, he was giving out so much gold that ironically, he actually ended up devaluing his his statehood as well as uh, the, just the overall countries that he was visiting as he was doing his journey, his holy journey. Now, the reason why is because he was giving it out so much and he has so much of it. Now, a lot of people may look at it now in the, in the world that we're in where gold seems to be a scarcity because of the fact that we transitioned so far along. But if you notice something, history seems to repeat itself. What Daniel? What is the Fed? What is the Fed doing right now? They're printing Man, loads they of print, money, printing, printing, printing money like it's nothing. What is that gonna do when you have too much of a supply and less demand? People tend to move away from it, and as a result, it kind of cripples the economy that you're that you're kind of mm -hmm. in because of the fact that there's so much given out, but people don't really need it. Now, this is something that I wanted to translate that to say that that might have been one of the causes or hindering in Mansa Musa's journey to the Holy Land was because of the fact he was giving out so much of something that was of value. But at the end of the journey, when he came back many years later, he gave out so much <laughs> during that time that everybody had gold. So it was like he, his, his economy wasn't really much of a it wasn't really much of a need for gold because he, they, he gave out so much of it. Now, that's, some, that's very important to note because of the fact, as a result, he ended up actually hurting the economy that he vastly controlled with his nation, so to speak. Uh, Daniel, kind of transitioning into that, a question that I have for you. Do you believe that paper currency at some point will be a higher supply and less demand for? Yeah, I mean, I think it's already happening because you, even you mentioned it earlier with Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, and just other forms of currency today, like gold is still a very scarce resource that uh, investors and, and, you know, everyone in general is just trying to get their hands on. And you just look at how much money is being printed on a daily basis and how many stimulus packages we've received in just the last year. I mean, that's like, that is going to come back and bite us. You know, it's not, it, it, it's free money, yes, but it, you know, it comes at a cost, right? And that is going to really devalue the dollar even more so than it is now. And this is not even just in the US, this is across all countries, all countries that have paper currency, which is pretty much every country that just the ability itself to create money out of literally nothing without any type of, not to call it a barter system, but without some type of exchange mm -hmm. occurring within that to give it value mm -hmm. is going to decrease it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, going back to what Mansa did, I mean, it's not like, you know, yes, there were a lot of regions where 
he his goal actually created you know education and his his goal helped to further along um, a lot of cities within his pilgrimage, but for the most part, the gold was just tossed over to the populace and they just, you know, there was no level of exchange that gave the gold value, right? Because I think in how we do exchange of currency and how it's really supposed to be is that you give something to get something, right? Mm -hmm. There is that level of exchange that gives the and this is this you know ties into a little bit of psychology too but it's very you know it's also basic economics that you know if if that you know if that supply is more than the demand then it's it's going to you know have its there's going to be a devalue of it there's not going to be um you know, there's going to be that shift. And it's already happened, as you can see, with cryptocurrency, with all these other elements that are out there. So yeah, to answer your question, Charles, you know, I think it's happening now. And as we've seen in, in past history, and this is just my guess, is that, you know, we're going to move towards a new of currency where, you know, as we've done in the past with going to paper currency, going to a, forgive my pronunciation, a FIAT system, mm-hmm. we're going to transfer into what I believe is probably the crypto system where it's going to be just, you know, 100%, you know, if not uh, mostly within, you know, exchanging through crypto means as opposed to uh, paper currency means uh, simply because of just the way mining has just excelled beyond, I would say what we, originally thought mm. our technology would be able to let us do so i think that is just elevating that movement right. yeah and and I, I think you know something very important that you kind of just detailed is like you mentioned mansa musa also was very prideful um a, a, just a quick example of that would be example he went on his journey he actually ran into a sultan uh, i forget the actual country the sultan was from but Originally, one of his uh, one of his I guess his people that worked for Mansa Musa was like, hey, the Sultan Sultan is equivalent to like I mentioned, like a king, an emperor, whatever the case is, wants to see you. He wants to know who you are. Mansa Musa was like, look, I just came on this journey because, like I said, I'm trying to spread the Muslim faith. I'm trying to go about my business. I'm really not trying to meet this guy. So he's like, look, I'll just give him some gold and say that's a gift out of respect. But I ain't really trying to meet you. But the Sultan kind of went back and forth with Mansa Musa. So after a while, and the, re- the real reason why Mansa Musa didn't want to bow down because he's like, I'm the real king. I'm not bound down to another man. He's like, yeah. fuck that shit. <laughs> I think they wanted him to like kiss his finger, kiss, kiss yeah, his hand or something. Kiss his hand. Yeah. And, and then Mansa Musa was like, fuck that. I'm not doing that shit. So basically after a while, there was like, he was like, all right, fine, whatever. So he basically came to the, to the Sultan and right when, after he conversed with the sultan, right when he was about to kiss the sultan hand, he actually just bowed down like he was praying. And he was like, he's like, uh, you know, I, and then the sultan was like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm praying to, to Allah. So basically, like, you know, he was, he, and as a way not to kiss the sultan's hand, and also the sultan couldn't really contradict it because that's his faith. So he mm-hmm. basically bowed down and then like he was praying. So that's what he basically did. And he ended up giving, and like we mentioned, just giving the gold out. So ironically, in his pride of just giving out money 
And he was a giving person. Mansa Musa actually was a giving person. He loved to give out money, uh, give out gold. We we consider it money. I call it gold money in our in the the world that we're in. But back in those times, they just looked at gold like I said, like a gift, like a prized possession, something you can just give away. So he was giving out so much, but in real without realizing that he was giving out so much, he actually was hurting the economy that he was in during that time because of the fact that it was he held pretty much most of the gold in that world at that time. Remember, we said that the Europeans were dealing with their own civil war during that time. They were dealing with, you know, with the church and all that stuff. Obviously with the Asian, they weren't really like into the, the world yet. They didn't come into the world like we know them as now. So it was pretty much Africa and Europe. Those are the main entities in the world right that were controlling what was going on in the world at that time. So Africa pretty much Mansa Musa was the real king of Africa, or you want to consider him like the president of Africa at the time, because he controlled mo pretty much the money, the preservatives that was in Africa at the time, it all went through him and his nation that he was building. But as a result of him giving out so much, he ended up actually, is like, like Daniel said, when you give out so much, so much, you end up sucking the life out of yourself when you're giving out so much without taking care mm -hmm. of yourself as a result. So you end up hurting the economy that he knew at the time uh, of the nations that he controlled. But the benefit that Mansa Musa also did, the benefit that I like is when he was going on this journey, he actually ended up opening up mosques. He built a mosque, he built a cities, and he built educational systems. It's like pretty much schools, as we know today, that actually taught how money and stuff was acquiesced during that time. Now, why am I mentioning that on this podcast? What does that have to do with what we're basically discussing? Because he used the wealth that he was able to gain to teach others how wealth is built and how wealth should be created and, and what to do, understanding math, understanding how to read and write, understanding faith. Religion comes into play because you have to believe in something. That's why usually when we go and we're like, shit, if I hit the lotto, God, I could pay off my car. No, this and that. <laughs> These are all things that he was creating. These are things that he was teaching. And that's very important. And, and, and one thing to really highlight is that, you know, although this journey that Mansa was on was, you know, it's a voyage, a pilgrimage, you know, different words can be, can be kind of thrown around, but it, it was still in some respects, a level of conquest because he was a ruler. He yes. was an emperor, you yes. know? And when you kind of look at it comparatively to other like famous conquerors we've heard about like Napoleon and Alexander the Great, you know, like his conquest was out of one, his faith, and also to, to benefit the other countries within Africa by giving them gold, creating education systems like Charles mentioned in, I think it was Timbuktu. Yes. And, you know, just benefiting the entire continent as a whole. I mean, there's a number of countries that benefited from Mansa's, you know, conquest or pilgrimage, uh, you know, Senegal, Nigeria, like a lot, a lot of countries, right? Yeah. And I think that that is the part that is a very distinguishing factor between the, the type of conquest that he did and the type of conquest 
we've probably heard in, you know, like European history with Napoleon or, Mm -hmm. you know, Alexander the Great. There's just the intention of going out to, yes, I mean, he's a prideful person. It was for himself, but it was also for, you know, the the continent and his people as a whole, the people that he ruled over, Mm -hmm. right? And that kind of leadership is what I think when we go back to what Jay-Z was talking about in his, in his lyrics is, you know, is not just the wealth, the, the level of, you know, his, his charitable notion, but also the type of leader he was, mm-hmm. you know, type of leader that he was and the mindset that he had in ruling because I think that, and this is, you know, my opinion is that he, as, as someone who was kind of second in command Mm -hmm. to, you know, the previous, uh, the previous King, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a position that you, you prepare for, but you, you, you don't know when it's going to happen. You're not expecting it to, happen you know it's not like you're a prince and you know it's gonna happen when you know your father gives you the the you know the throne or whatever it's it's like a second in command it's like if if the you know if this guy shall for whatever reason something happens to him i have to take over we don't really think it's gonna happen right Mm -hmm. so i think the the fact that it was something that he in a sense woke up to he woke up to that duty and made it so that the the Mali Empire, because that's really what it was. It was, you know, one. It was like one of the biggest empires um, ever. Um, I don't think it was bigger than the Roman, but it was significant. It was. It was a very. It was a huge empire that um, Musa had led. You, you can you can argue that because as we know, just to name, just to give you, uh, just to give the audience an idea, Daniel, as to mm-hmm. what those territories are known today as you have to think of this this is the country of senegal gambia guinea niger nigeria right. chad and Mauritania. i don't know how you pronounce that my apologies i'm african too i don't even know how to pronounce that but <laughs> how sad is that but yeah pretty much you're basically just think of the whole top left side of africa into like the middle of west africa that's kind of insane yeah, this that's is, huge. That's yeah, very that's huge. very huge. <laughs> and this is what he at the time was basically controlling. And as Daniel mentioned, it's not easy obtaining wealth or maintaining wealth and expanding that. How to utilize those resources to teach others or benefit your kingdom as a result. Was Mansa Musa perfect as a leader? No. No emperor wars. Alexander the Great, he had conquered, but he also did do some miscommunications. Was he ruthless? I'm sure Mansa Musa was ruthless. To be a conqueror, you have to pretty yes. much, yeah, be a dick to some aspect. So I'm sure that that was also at play. But the point is that he built and created territories, and that wasn't easy to do because, as Daniel mentioned, he was someone that wasn't even looked at as like someone that's like, oh, like he's going to control all this mass land and wealth. It just came to him. And a lot of people, as you can see through history, just because they inherit something doesn't necessarily they know how to build it. Because just like Mansa Musa was able to build the educational system, 
a, a religious following expand on that also distributed wealth when his when he left or passed away and his son took over his son did a terrible job and <laughs> to the point that his brother Mansa Musa's own brother had to step in because the son didn't know what the hell he was doing now this happens all the time we can go through history we can go and talk now I don't have to name drop but I'm sure you guys have an idea as to understand when somebody has wealth that doesn't necessarily mean that they know what to do with it or they know how to basically expand on that so that's very important and this is something that we don't necessarily learn, but we're here to bring it to you guys, myself and Daniel, because a lot of people, if you ask even people that look like us, who's Mansa Musa, they'll say they don't know who that is. They'll tell you that they don't understand who Mansa Musa is. So it's very important. So I think for us, us bringing that to the forefront, kind of just breaking that down for you. And I want Daniel to touch more on that. It's very important. It's very key because of the fact, like I mentioned, Mansa Musa is someone that should be known in history. He should, his, his story should be told. This is a man that if he was alive today with the wealth that he acquiesced, he would be a multi-trillionaire. Just think about that, how crazy that is. And, and I can't give you an exact number, but he pretty much controlled, as people mentioned, GDP. He was the GDP in Africa back in the 1300s. Into the, so I think that's very important yeah. to know. Super yes, crazy. Exactly. So... Yeah. So it, and, it's, it's, and, 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 and you know, African that and that that in itself just holds so much power in just the idea that there was a man who was a king and had so much influence over a continent. You know, like a continent is huge, right? Like I just like to put it in perspective, you know, like it's, it's, it's not like the U.S. is a country. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so like just just I want that to really because it's it's empowering really to know that one of the wealthiest people in the world originated from Africa and was an African king and built schools and educated communities on wealth, arts, uh, a lot of different subjects that, you know, make up the cultures today. Like, um, you know, I just keep going back to Timbuktu because that was really the, the genesis of a lot of the education uh, system, education buildings and, and just how things had flourished throughout the rest of Africa at that time. But also, I think that if we were to see Mansa Musa today, you know, like Charles, if you were to see Mansa today and you had the opportunity to ask him anything, you know, this is just an off the fly question. Mm -hmm. What would be the question you'd ask him? You know, like what, what would be because it's it's so there's so many things that he did and there's so many different mindsets that he must have had to you know shift into to be who he was and and kind of have the influence that he did over numerous uh countries within Africa right because mm -hmm. it's like it's a country you know so there's just a question also the audience too like you know if 
if Mansu was alive today, what would you ask him? You know, because we could ask that question to anyone who's alive today. If Jay, you know, if you got a chance to ask Jay Z, I think there was a there was a meme about that. Like if you had dinner with Jay Z or something like that. But yeah, like what would you ask Mansa? You know, if if you had the the opportunity. Yeah, it's it's a great it's a great point that you made. And for me, like I said, I w- I think the one thing I would ask him is, how did you get the knowledge to know how to expand your wealth? and knowledge to other parts of the land in Africa. Because Africa is a huge continent, even back then. If you go through, if you're someone that's religious, you go through, even if you don't have to be religious, you just know history, you know that a continent of Africa was where life was founded. So I, I'm sure racists will debate me and say Europe, but <laughs> it's Africa. I mean, yeah, if, if, you, yeah, if you go through history. So for him to, especially in those earlier times, you're thinking about the 1300s, this was a time where we don't have the vast knowledge like now in the technological era that we're in today. So this is a man that controlled pretty much the necessities of what we need as gold and salt. And I'm sure other aspects, those are the two main, but I'm sure there's other aspects that he controlled as well. And this was something that he didn't even originally even like, you know, have, you know, this wasn't something where it was like, oh, this is my dad passing on to me. This is something that he had to just step into the role because the, the guy that was controlling it, just was he just disappeared so it was like all right so who's our next leader so they basically had to take the mantle and for him to have had the longevity expand his 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 lifestyle his beliefs as well as the knowledge that he had into other parts of the region in the current world that he was in at that time is very important to note so as daniel mentioned it's something that you know we want to just present to you we wanted to make this episode more question-based, deal with it with real life, what's going on right now, kind of show the parallels. Now, we mentioned Jay-Z. Jay-Z is someone that right now is creating wealth. He seems to be a good leader because he's been putting people on for years. He's been giving game for years. He's been expanding his, his wealth, his knowledge, his empire. And he's just one out of many that are out there. You can go through African leaders. You can go into leaders that are here, that look like us, talk like us, they get lost in, in, in perspective for, for every, mm-hmm. for every Alexander the great, there's a Mansa Musa. So I, I think a lot of people shouldn't necessarily, you know, just look at, let's say the European aspects that we learn in, in, in school. We should also look at the African leaders, the African wealth builders, the conquerors that we had in our, in, in our continent that we're from, we're all from Africa that look like us talk like even people in general that may not look like us. They are originated from Africa at some point through the generations. So it's very important. That is part of our history. Mansa Musa is part of our history. So it's very important to note. Think about that. He expanded religion. He expanded the wealth. He gave a lot. He also took a lot to, to, to basically expand what we know as the world to be today. Very important to note. What is your leader doing in the world that you're in? Daniel, your last, your last closing thoughts. Yeah, I think you said it all. You know, I think Mansa is, uh, you know, some could say that, you know, he's like, uh, he's like the Black Panther of, of that time. Yeah. You know, he's like, he was just a leader and people followed and people, you know, even after he passed, you know, the countries that he had influence on develop their own ways and their own practices still embodying kind of the 
the general message and the genesis of what he created there with education, religion, and just overall, you know, understanding of, you know, how the 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 wealth in Africa, you know, kind of it, it 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 was always in Africa. It started in Africa, you know, before all the conquests came and all, you know, all of that, you know, just everything in that time period. And I think it's important to really kind of take that and just yeah apply it to how the world is today and ask those questions of you know how can i same question that you know that you that you uh answered charles is Mm -hmm. if you were to ask what question you would ask man so yeah that's a great question and that's the question that we all can ask ourselves is with the knowledge we have today how can we expand our wealth Mm -hmm. right because that's just really what we're all trying to do in general, right, mm-hmm. is expand our wealth and learning from history is a best indicator of what to do with the present. Mm-hmm. So great guy, uh, admire him a lot. And you know, I'm, I'm hoping the audience really, you know, takes the time and just researches Mansa because he did a lot, you know, mm-hmm. there's so much that he did that we couldn't cover in this episode, but he definitely of fascinating things in Africa. Agree. Yeah. So as Daniel mentioned, um, I don't need to say any more. Do your research. I, I think it's good to learn about Mansa Musa. Learn your history. Learn about what individuals during that time that look like us. If you're on YouTube, you see what we what I mean when I say look like us. Obviously, for those that may not, I mean being African, being being a black man, understanding how to build wealth, knowledge. You know, this is something that has been there for centuries. It's just that now we look at are rappers and ball players, but there was other, we had, we were Kings at one point. This is a King that was managing this in Africa in the 1300s. Just think how crazy that is. What can said it himself. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So what, what, what are you doing that today that, you know, can set yourself apart from, from the norm? What do you, what do you do? That's different. Something to kind of just take away in this from listening to us in this episode. I want to give a shout out to those listening from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and I think uh, YouTube as well. Again, thank you for tuning in. This is Mansa Musa. This is episode 55. Should be dropping sometime this week. I want to wish you guys a happy holidays and check us out in the next episode as we discuss how Kanye built Yeezy. Ooh. Special episode coming. You guys don't want to miss that. Thank you and uh, wish you guys a happy holidays. Peace. Peace, y'all.